The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 55 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. Thanks for checking in this week. My guest Rodney Norman, you are going to absolutely love him. First of all, Rodney tells one of the funniest jokes and funniest stories behind it that I've ever heard. We've had a lot of comedians on, and Rodney is a true comedian's comedian. He is funny, he is well-respected, and he is a smart guy and just an incredible member of the church. He's everything you look for. I cannot tell you how much I love and respect Rodney Norman. You are going to love him also. Uh, and this week in my Latter-day life, I'm going to share something very personal in response to a letter that I received this week. So that's all coming up. Uh, before we jump into the episode, though, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Jimmy Rex as our guest, and I mentioned that he has his own podcast, which is The Jimmy Rex Show, and he interviews business leaders and professional athletes and all kinds of people. Uh, the feedback on Jimmy's episode was great, including some people's just saying, wow, could this guy's life be real? It really is. And as much as he interviews incredible people, he also chose to interview me. If you want to hear me talk about my life, me as a guest, uh, you're welcome to check that out at the Jimmy Rex show. I spend about 45 minutes talking about my life with Jimmy. So that is over there. You're welcome to check it out. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And my guest today is not only a very well-known and well-respected comedian, but also a philosopher, a man among men, a true philosopher. And so many facets of his life that are fascinating. We're going to talk about them all. Rodney Norman, welcome. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. It is an honor and a privilege so glad to, to be have here you. in your presence, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so for our listeners, Rodney and I have known each other for wow, many, 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 many years. Many years. So uh, when I was pretending like I was a comedian, uh, Rodney was a real comedian. <laughs> And uh, so we used to hang out uh, a little bit at the clubs and have a lot of mutual friends in the comedy world. Yes, we do. And Rodney is still a working comedian. You are still performing all the time. Uh, amazingly, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to believe. People still keep paying me to do it, so I keep showing up. It's awesome. Can't wait. Can't yeah. wait to hear all about it, because I don't really know your whole backstory, so this will, this will be great. Well, fun. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about uh, your early life, the early life of Rodney My Norman. My early life. Well, I grew up in, in Utah. Yeah. Uh, you know, typical Utah County Utah Mormon, kid. I guess. Utah County um, also. Uh, yeah. I, well, we... We kind of moved around a lot in Utah. I mean, I was born in Granger, which no what? longer exists. I was about to say, I've never heard of Granger, Granger. but that's it why. Use, it's now become West Valley. Oh, okay. That's why I tell yeah. people I, I, always, I had an ex existential crisis when I realized that <laughs> the place I was born no longer exists. Are there still so, are there still like relics of Granger? Like, is there a Granger High? Yeah, there is a Granger High. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the, like I said, the hospital's still, I think, Pioneer Valley still got that name. But how funny! I never knew that. Yeah, it was a uh, it was Granger. And then where did like, you live in Utah County? Um, American Fork, uh, Provo, and Springville. Wow. Yeah. So All we, over. Yeah, my dad was a diesel mechanic, and he just you know kept going from job to job. Yeah. Times and so you got to explore a lot of Utah. Uh, growing up, did you live outside of Utah? Uh, for a brief time, we lived in Yerington, Nevada. Yerington? Yeah. I don't know where that is either. I, you know what? I had to look it up on a map myself to remember. Yeah. But yeah, Yerington, Nevada. We lived there for about a year. Wow. It was, uh, it was my dad had got a job with this uh, meat packing company, you know, and taking yeah. care of their trucks. And we worked there for, he worked there for about a year and had a, we were having a great time. Did you enjoy that? Did you like that? I love Nevada because yeah. we lived, where we lived, we were right next to all these little uh, creeks that oh, cool. had crawdads in them. Oh, yeah. And so we used to go and catch these crawdads and That's it fun. was just, it was just a fun place. But 
my uh, my dad one day uh, he was uh, he was working and uh, a couple guys from management uh, came to him and uh, uh, told him that uh, the true nature of the business was uh, basically uh, the mob. What? <laughs> No way, <laughs> and, really. And they invited, they really liked Dip, thought he was smart, that he could move up in the organization, invited him to join. Uh, he said, no, thank you. Uh, uh, the next day, we packed the cars and headed back to Utah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this was in the middle of the winter. This is like just amazing. before Christmas. Yeah. Wow. So you, you could have been part of a mafioso family. Yeah. My dad was just like, oh, we're not going yeah, there. We're not going to do this. Plan. I mean, they were they were offering, you know, tons of money. and Sure. Uh, they were just going to, you know, oh, that's amazing. soup up some trucks and make some modifications <laughs> for various uses. Some extra storage <clears throat> space. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> and he was like, oh, I just, he just said no. I, Rodney, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. That's pretty fun. So uh, family, is your family LDS? Uh, yeah, they weren't, uh, you know, my parents, uh, my father was not a member originally. Okay. Um, his family moved from Missouri and they weren't members. And then he got here. He, uh, in fact, he has, this is pretty cool. He has a certificate from, say, signed by David O. McKay as being the first non-Mormon to be part of the human, uh, Mormon Youth Chorus. What really? Yeah, it was pretty. He was pretty a singer. He, he had an amazing voice, and he could. If I didn't know this until uh, we were sitting in my grandma's house one day, I was in high school, and my little my uh, knee my my cousin, she had one of these little you know little kind of toy pianos. Yeah, you know, sure. And all of a sudden, my my dad just sitting there, and he was playing around with my cousin. He picks up this little thing, and he just starts playing. You are my sunshine. And start singing it to my niece, you know, to my uh, cousin, and I'm just like going, what? Where, where'd that come from? You know from? how to play the piano, <laughs> and apparently he was, he knew how to play the piano, and and then he played all kinds of horn instruments. And, oh my gosh! And he had this amazing voice, and I'm like, where, where, what? And then I sort of recently found out that you know he had been a part of the Mormon Youth Chorus when so he was he's in, in the high Mormon school. Youth Chorus, but not a Mormon. Not a Mormon. Just you know, all yeah. of his friends were, so he joined it, and then eventually. He ended up becoming. A uh, yeah, eventually of the became a you know joined the church. My like I said, my parents got sealed when yeah. I was in high school, so I got to go to the temple when I was, you know, sixteen. That's cool. That's a cool sealed, experience. So. So your parents get sealed and be sealed to them at the same time. Yeah, it was it was it was fascinating. That's really it neat. Was awesome. So, uh, what were you like growing up? What were you into? Were you uh, like- well, my family was into uh, building race cars. Oh, yeah? In fact, there used to be a racetrack here in Utah County called Suntana Raceway. Suntana. Yeah. It's out in, it was out in Springville. If, you, if you're uh, on I-15, the exit just before you get off onto Spanish Fork. Yeah. You're heading south. Sure. As you look towards the mountains, there's a big pile of dirt now, but there used to be... A raceway there. A racetrack right there. Wow. It was called Suntana Raceway. Cool. And we used to race there all through the 70s. My dad was involved with the races up in the, the fairgrounds. Are you a car guy still? Uh, f- well, it, this is this has uh, caused some controversy uh, with other people. But uh, yes. Yeah. But as I've said, well, it's like when, when I met my wife. Yeah. Uh, uh, I told her that I, you know, she says, well, do you know anything about cars? And I go, well, no, not really. Mm. And uh, then one day, uh, I had a guy at work who was basically getting ripped off, trying to get a brake job because the place out in town. This is when I was in the Marine Corps in, in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. They were quoting him like fifteen hundred dollars, and that he was going to have to redo his entire brake system. Mm. And I'm like, dude, you just need brake pads. Yeah. So I told him, I said, it's like fifteen bucks. I, I can do it for you. So. Uh, I had to pick up the brake pads and came over to my house one afternoon and my, you know, I get there and he pulls up and my wife's like, what's going on? I said, oh, I'm going to fix his brakes. And she goes, what are you going to fix his brakes? <laughs> I thought you know anything about cars. Well, I had no idea. And I'm like, well, compared to the rest of my family that builds race cars and they're yeah. in NASCAR. No, I, I don't. But I could still fix stuff, yeah. you know. Was, You've got the basics of auto mechanics. Yeah, base, I mean, it was. I grew up with it. I grew up in a garage. We spent every winter building race cars and every summer How racing. How cool. 
So for me, literally, if putting gas in the car does not solve the problem, I'm out. <laughs> That's it. I, I go to the mechanic. I've got a mechanic I trust. I hand him my keys and my wallet and just tell him to say call me when, when it's done. You just say a prayer and hope for the best. That's it. So yeah. So you were into cars. You were into cool stuff. I mean, what kid isn't? I, wasn't, I was into cars, even though I didn't know how to build them or fix them. So Yeah. And then you get done with high school here in Utah. Uh-huh. Where did that take you? Um, well, uh, we'll back up a little bit. Uh, at one point in time, my family took over the racetrack. We oh, started no running. Kidding. So when I was 16, I was 15 when we took it over, and I kept bugging my grandparents, my, my grandpa who was running it, that I wanted to be the announcer. Oh, wow. And he's like, no, you're just a kid. You're not going to do this. And I kept bugging him, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. And uh, finally, we had one uh, one day, the, the guy, the, the, the regular announcer, his name was Gator Joe Bowen. Uh, he was, I mean, he's... Gator Joe Gator Bowen. Gator Joe. He was just had this great, perfect, just amazing did. voice. Gator he was Joe. Just so, he was an awesome dude. He was just a cool dude. And But he was in the uh, National Guard. Mm. And so he was late getting there to the tra- track one weekend one Saturday. And so my grandpa was desperate, needed somebody to just basically fill in until he showed up. Right. And so he comes and gets, I was working in the snack bar. He comes down and says, Ronnie, come here. He goes, "Uh, well, let's go up and figure this out. Uh, You're going to have to, you know, do the announcing until Gator Joe shows up. Dream. Dream job. I was like, yeah. 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 So I'm going there. I set up all the equipment and I started, you know, just, Going off what I had there. He had the little note cards for each driver, for right. each car. And so I just, and I was doing it. And then I guess uh, he Gator showed up a little earlier than he was planning. He managed to get oh, there yeah. a little bit on time. But him and Grandpa just sat there and listened to me. And Gator Joe was like, eh, he's all right. I can oh, work fun. with this. And so I became the co-announcer at the racetrack when I was in high school. That's like and every kid's dream. Oh, it was it was it was awesome. That is very very so cool. Awesome. So I did that every summer until yeah. I left uh I graduated in 87. Yeah. Uh went to Snow College mm-hmm. for a year. Great school. On a, on a debate scholarship. A debate scholarship. Debate. Yeah, I did debate all nice. through high school, debate yeah. and drama at uh, Temp View in Springville. Graduated from Springville. So cool. And uh, year at snow, the year at snow, and then went on my mission to uh, the the great state of New Jersey. Yeah, wow! I will be in New Jersey tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> love love New Jersey. What part of New Jersey are you going to be at? Uh, I don't want to brag, but I'll be just outside of Newark. Oh, so nice! It's great. Actually, <laughs> it's funny. It's it's so beautiful. It's uh, I'll be in Basking Ridge. So I just, was I served at Basking Ridge. Did for, you really? Yeah, for a few months. Oh. Yeah. Verizon's corporate headquarters are in Basking Ridge. Uh, make, so. That makes sense. Yeah, so there's a lot of money I'm out in there. That a lot. Area. It's a beautiful area, actually. Yeah. New Jersey is gorgeous. It just in general, people people kind of have a preconceived notion, of, and there are certain parts of New Jersey. Yeah, there but, certainly is. I mean, but there are certain parts of everywhere. Yeah. 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 But no, the majority of it's just beautiful. How was your mission out there? Is amazing. Oh, I had a great time. Yeah, mission's awesome, right? Great time. Yeah. Yeah. So you come back. Did you go into the Marines right away when you came back? Um, no, it was about, uh, let's see, I got back in May, and I joined the Marine Corps in November. Yeah, went into pretty quick. in January. So, yeah, What, what made year, you want to go into the Marines? I, well, you know, I, was, I went back to school. I was going back to snow, and uh, I, I just felt like I just, there was something I was missing, you know, yeah. just something that I was supposed to be doing. Just couldn't get into school. I mean, I was doing fine with class. I wasn't failing. I was just not excited to be there, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I had, I just had one of those moments. It was the the, the war was getting ready to kick up with uh, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, what originally. year was this? Uh, was it when, 90? Yeah. 90, yeah. Sure. And... Uh, and I, I, I'd always told myself if there was a war that came along that I believed in, I would just join. You're a run into it guy. A run into it, yeah. That's awesome. And I just, I just, it started playing, playing in my mind that this was what I was supposed to do. In fact, what Marines? I mean, that's frontline stuff. That's that is, yeah, that is the that that's, is, that's hey, put me in. Yeah, we're we're going to war. Yeah, this is who we are. This is what wow. we do. 
That's amazing. And, uh, How was your experience in the Marines? I I I actually enjoyed enjoyed yeah. it. I mean, it was tough, but it wasn't as tough as I thought it would be. Yeah, hmm. you know, I think I just kind of over. Maybe you're just that tough. I it could be. <laughs> I could be. I mean, I when I got into boot camp, what. Well, Something I had started doing on my mission was I started doing push-ups just mm. as, just to stay in shape, something yeah. I would do. So I would do push-ups every day. And so when I got into boot camp, I was expecting to, and we never did them. I had to do them at night. <laughs> just, I mean, I used to get, used to get in trouble. You know, if hey you guys, got in trouble, they would. Hey guys, who wants to do some push-ups? That's, that's, that's crazy. That's, it was, I expect, I mean, I never, I was never in the military. I assume you do push-ups all the time. Well, you would think at yeah. boot camp, but it was you. You do a lot of just um, standing around waiting for something to happen. Yeah. You know. Did you feel like you stood out as a Mormon in in the Marines? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Were yeah. there were there others? There were. Um, yeah. It was it was funny because I, I I reconnected with one of the guys that I knew in boot camp just oh, through Facebook, and uh, mm. he. When he joined the Marine Corps, he kind of was thinking, well, I don't have to be a Mormon anymore, kind of. You know, oh, it was interesting. Like, it was going to use the opportunity to just kind of fade away. A fade little. away. Yeah. And he said when he got there, I, I ma- okay, I made a spectacle of myself the first day. <laughs> um, That's always I good. I singled myself That's out That's always a, a good plan. Bit. Well, you know, you get there and it's like, you know, the first, first day you're just getting yelled at and screamed at and you're picking stuff up and carrying you're tired sure. well anyway they finally get to this one point where you're just there's literally a couple thousand of you all sitting in this big you know area yeah um and we're all sitting there you know kind of indian style on the floor and there's this uh guy from the navy who's a chaplain comes and stands in the middle and he says hey you know welcome to the marine corps um is there anything that you've experienced so far that you, you know, religiously have a problem with? Mm. You know, like, just go ahead and let us. Yeah, what an know, interesting like, question. Yeah. You just, you know, if there's anything that you feel that you're conflicts experiencing your that conflicts with your beliefs. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, here's <laughs> up, my moment. Up goes the hand. Up goes the hand. And he calls on me. And so I had to stand up, and I'm like, uh, well, I don't appreciate the use of the Lord's name in vain. I said, everything else I can deal with. But Wow, good for you. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. I, that's all I ask. And he's, he says, well, okay. I can respect that. Wow. And then, I, uh, then when we, I got back to my, uh, with my uh, drill instructors, I heard the name of the Lord used in every way you could possibly imagine. They doubled down on it. They doubled down on it. <laughs> oh, they no. stepped it up, but they knew. Oh, but, no. but I think it but helped hey, they because knew where you stood, but it, it, I think it helped because they realized I was willing to stand yeah. for my, for my beliefs. Good for you. And I mean, that's what they say. Stand up, stand, stand for something. Up. And because of that, you know, it was, yeah. it was, you know, I had other people in the unit that weren't going to, who were Mormon, yeah. But they joined because they didn't believe, you know, weren't right. that good of members. Yeah. But because of me being there, they went ahead and came to the Mormon services awesome. on Sundays. Good for and you. So I Rodney, was that's cool. actually a really cool story. It was fun. And I, I, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit on comedy, I hate to spoil what, what some people may think of comedy, but language in the Marine Corps, I'm assuming was kind of good training for being a comedian. You become very, very calloused oh, to, to some of the stuff you have to listen yeah, to. Yeah, living in a club, uh, yeah, sometimes it's I, just astonishing. That, yeah, there, there's, well, it's like, I, you know, I do do shows back east and people from church are like, hey, when are you going to be performing? And I'm like, I'm no. performing all the time. Yeah. I just don't want <laughs> you to come. Please don't go. Yeah. And it's not because of me. It's because yeah. you got to listen to these other fellas and yeah. ladies, and uh, you don't want to hear what they have to say. Yeah, there used to be a club here in Utah that really had the restrictor plates off. I mean, that was back in the day uh, was uh, in Midvale. Yes, I remember yeah, that one. I mean, circuit. you walked in, yeah, and they had this sign right there as you walked in that basically used the F word, I think, eight times. Yeah. 
told you if you came to be offended, please be offended by this and leave. Yeah. yeah yes. And it was, I remember that sign. They were proud of it. Yes. They were, they flaunted it. And we had, you know, we had Keith Stubbs on and, and clearly every comedian brings his own flavor and, and not every show at Wise Guys is appropriate for all audiences, but the comedy circuit was flat out, flat out. Every single show was you better, to and so slam I it in your throat and I, I performed face. there two or three times, and I was like, "Yeah, this is. I'll just stick around with Johnny B's and Wise guys. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm okay. I, I went there when I first got into Utah, back into Utah when yeah. I was in comedy. I went and watched a show and thought, "This isn't for me." So, this how long were you in the Marine Corps? Four years. Yeah, did, did four years. Did you get married while you were in the Marine Corps? Yeah, yeah. How did well, you meet I, your wife? Well, it was uh, just weeks before I went into boot camp. Oh, wow. In fact, um, we just had a mutual friend who kept, who I was, this gal I kept hanging out with, and she kept telling me about this girl that she knew, her friend, that well, I was a lot like, and she kept telling her about me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But at this point in time, I was like, look, I'm, I'm done with women. I'm yeah. going to join the Marine Corps. When I'm done with that, I'll think about it. Because I was, in my mind, I was you were going smitten. out the war. I was going out the war. Oh, so, yeah. You know. But you never did. No, I didn't. You know, I mean, the, boot, the, the war started and ended my first week of boot camp. Mm. Yeah, that time it was it pretty was, quick. It was like three days and yeah. it was over. And I'm like, um, okay, well, now what do I do? At some point, I know you finished your degree. Uh, I, f- I finally finished it in 2015. So your degree is in philosophy. Where, where did the interest in philosophy come from? Um, I would say it started when I was six, seven years old. Really? Um, yeah. Um, I used to have all these weird questions about the gospel. And uh, my, my resource, my primary resource was my grandmother, who, you know, she worked at the Provo Temple for, for years, Irma, Irma McPhee. Hmm. And uh, I used to, I, I would just have these questions. I think one of the first questions I had was, why do we have to be baptized? You Interesting. Know? And how is it that um, only, you know, if only Mormons are being baptized, how does anybody get into heaven? <laughs> this doesn't, these are this big doesn't, thoughts for a young kid. This doesn't seem fair, was my thought. Sure. And uh, that's when she introduced me to uh, Joseph, Joseph Fielding Smith's uh, Gospel to answer, Answers to Gospel Questions. It was a yeah. whole series of books. Mm-hmm. And she had the Ended whole series. Ended up being a series of lectures. Yeah. Yeah. And she had the whole thing. Wow. And she pulled out one and said, here, read this. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I read it, and I, I, I'd have to go get in dictionary and figure out some of the words. But I just started reading that. And I think it's also where I got my, my just love for reading. Yeah. I just loved just awesome. and so every time I went over there I would open up a book and just start asking questions, you know, okay, let's find answer this, answer this. And then uh, eventually my questions started expanding into other things and so I started reading, you know, other philosophy and just really yeah. have just been interested in my whole life. I I've, I've gotten the sense from some people that philosophy and the gospel are mutually exclusive things that there's not a crossover between them. And I've always found that one without the other is that is just out of balance. Like, like to me, the gospel answers a lot of philosophical questions Absolutely. and philosophy directs me to the gospel in a lot yeah. of ways. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. So yeah. I, I've, as I've always said, if you believe in the truth, you're never afraid to find it. Yeah. And that's to me, that's what philosophy's, out to do is to try to explain this life and even things that you don't think actually are explaining the gospel actually quite do quite well yeah if i've wanted to always write a book about basically talking about joseph smith as a philosopher and show all of the answers to philosophical questions that were answered just just with the first vision you you receive answers to some of the most difficult philosophical questions that most people still struggle with. I, I've never thought of it as a philosophical experiment, but you're absolutely right. Of course it is. Yeah, it's all... The, I mean, the yeah. biggest questions that the greatest philosophers have asked. Joseph Smith answered all of them yeah. with the first vision. 
Fascinating. I, yeah. I, it's one of the things I love about being alive in our time, like the Joseph Smith papers. You know, I love, I love that the church has just been so open and upfront and saying, finally, you've got questions. <laughs> we've got answers. Yes. Which is great. Which is great. And you know what it's, <clears throat> it's and but it's come about at a time where the internet is here, it's access to everyone. And, and yeah. you know, there are a lot of people who say, well, how come in the 1960s and 1970s? I, I don't know why, and I wouldn't want to well, second I, I guess it. I think a lot of it was just they did, there was so much, they didn't know how to get through it all. I think there was a lot, I but think, then also, how do you disseminate that information? Yeah, because you got to think, the church was only a couple million people back then. You don't, yeah. you don't really have the, 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 the market. Right, well, you don't have the selling. market to answer it all, but also, what are you going to do, teach missionaries? To study all this stuff. I mean, you're, you're 19. Yeah. You barely can remember. Wait, Nephi had how many brothers? But I want you to take this deep stuff that yeah. people have big questions about. Let's anyway, see, I just love that we're in a time. Let's let's talk about the fabric of reality. <laughs> yeah, it's. I I love it. I absolutely love it. So when when did you get into comedy? Um, and how? Well, yeah, I had always been a a a, a funny kid you know because we moved around so much that i had to be funny to make friends sure and so uh and then i was into you know theater and mm-hmm. all that stuff Im- improv I did improv all through high school and college and and uh when i got married to my beautiful bride um <clears throat> you know i was in the marine corps i used to do this uh, bit all the time for other marines and my wife was just like you need to do stand-up mm. This was early. I mean, this was the first year of marriage. She's like, yeah. you need to do stand-up. Wow. And so she's been my, throughout my entire career, she's just been my number one fan. Awesome. She just kept pushing me. She took me to my first live comedy show. Where was your first performance? My my first performance? Your first time on stage. Where, where first was time it? doing stand-up. Doing re- real stand-up, like... Not not just practicing material with friends, but like club or stage. Actual getting actually stage was, doing it. Well, it, there's a funny story behind it. What had happened was I was I had a business. I was in Kansas City, Missouri, little town just outside of Kansas City, Warrensburg. I had a business where I did handyman services for a realty company for all their rental properties, and I was on a job and I had a guy helping me, and we were trying to fix a window with some plexiglass and. I was telling him just score it, and then we pop the glass, you know, pop it. It's yeah. Well, anyway, he was trying to cut it all at once, and while I was holding the plate, the glass, the picks of glass down, he took the knife and cut off the top of my finger, right Ooh. there. <clears throat> so I had to go to the emergency room get it sewed back on. So as I'm sitting there and they're, you know, sewing the top of my finger back on, I'm thinking this is not what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, you had an existential moment. I did. I'm just like, this is not in an emergency room. <laughs> and it was at that moment I said, you know what? I'm going to do stand up comedy. I'm going to become a stand up comedian. That is and such a great story. So I turned my my all my contracts over to another guy, another friend of mine that had been done a couple jobs with me. I just gave him my contract. And you just dove in. And I sat down and came up with a couple minutes of jokes and. Found an open mic at Stanford and Sons in Kansas City on a Monday night. I rolled in, paid my ten bucks, bought my two drink minimum. I got a couple sprites. The woman got a couple sprites, and uh, <clears throat> they made me go last because I was the only new person on the whole show. On the so you paid. Show. You paid even for uh, open mic night. You had to. Yeah, you still had to pay. You ha- I had to pay. So yeah, it cost wow. us. You know, it was an hour to get up there. An hour back. There, are a lot, there are a lot of clubs that to give you time, you have to get a certain number of people in. That's pretty common. Yeah, bringer, bringer but, show. Yeah, bringer shows. But, but for this for this open mic, I mean, there were actual audience. There were people who were just came for the show. This nice. was a real popular club. Comedy was still uh, pretty hot. A pretty yeah. hot thing at the yeah. time. You know, it was late nineties, and uh, I got up there and I I had a couple laughs and. And just as you're soon as you hear, as soon as you hear people laughing at something you said and came up with, you're just, this is it. Do you remember your first big bomb show? Oh, yeah. Those are the ones. Actually, you know. that's terrible that I'm assuming you've had a big bomb show. Oh, yes. I never met a comedian who hasn't, but. <laughs> yes. 
Well, we used to, there was, what had happened was uh, I'd done the, I kept doing the open mic and I had another comic who had been a season, he'd been in around for a while. He just pulled me aside and he said, look, you're a funny guy, but you need more stage time. But no one's going to give you stage time because you're, you're not good. Um, he says, but you can be good. He says, I can tell. I mean, you're, you've got yeah. the potential, but right now you're just, you're just trying to figure out what you're doing. He says, so you go, he said, go find, you know, restaurants, bars, whatever, and convince them to let you do a show there. And then get some of these other guys who've got 10, 15 minutes, have them come out, nice. do a show. They'll do it for free. He says, they'll come out and do it for free. If they're getting 10, 15 minutes, they'll do it. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. That's weird. So I started setting up these shows and, you know, some of them, you know, we'd set them up in his bar and there'd be like 10 people there and they didn't know comedy was going to happen. You get up and I had to get yeah. up and start. <laughs> oh, it was just, oh, it was horrible. But that's where you learn. It's the bad shows is where you learn. So some of those shows, if you can figure out how to win, did you ever work uh, Dave Dennison's room, the three alarm Three Alarm Saloon up in Salt Lake. Uh, no, I never did that one. Yeah. See, there are rooms like that. I mean, you've worked, but you've worked rooms just like it. There are certain yeah. rooms. When we say rooms, it's any place that you do comedy. There are rooms that are just half the people in the, the crowd don't even know you're standing up there or why. Oh, yeah. And then suddenly someone will turn on the jukebox or a fight breaks out. or But you get that. You just connect. But then there are rooms, there are, there are bars that are amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there, there are bars that are, that are incredible. You still do a lot of those types of rooms still. I do because I think that's where you, that's where you get stronger as a comic. When you yeah. go into a bad room and turn it around, Yeah, it's, it's a magical thing. So one of the things that is intriguing to me about you and I mean this in the absolute best possible way, is that you don't have comedy neurosis like so many of our friends, you know? You're a very balanced guy. You're balanced in your relationship. You're balanced in the gospel. You're balanced in your sense of self, or at least that's how you've always come across to me. And as you know... I put up a good front. No, come on. You know, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Like it, yeah. it, it almost sometimes helps... Um, I had a comedian one time say to me, Sean, you're never going to make it because you're too normal. Like you're too, you're not deep enough in your own head. You you need to figure out your neuroses. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you're not, you're not messed up enough to be funny. Yeah. I, I would say almost that you are, um, you are in comedy, but not of comedy. <laughs> You know, that, uh, you know, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. I, I'd go with that. Yeah. yeah. But there are a lot of, boy, there are a lot of good people in comedy. Oh, there are. I mean, it's amazing the number of friends we've made over the years that are just just phenomenal people. Do you have a favorite joke? Nice, beautiful lead-in. Uh, this happened at the Johnny B's. Yeah. And um, Johnny B's Comedy Club was a club in Provo. Great, great it was, room. It was a great room. I mean, it was such a fantastic club. It was so fun. That's where we came up a little bit. Yeah. And... Uh, so I do the, uh, the joke is, is that when I was in Sunday school, I used to have this great teacher. She was awesome. And she always had, you know, presentations. She brought treats. She knew what she was talking about. She was a lot of fun. But every once in a while, she couldn't make it. And so her husband would fill in for her. Mm. Well, he was never prepared, ever. He just, most of the time, he yeah. just read it out of the book. Well, one time he comes in and he goes, hey, look, boys, um, <clears throat> tell you what. Here's what we're going to do for, for class today is if you have any questions about the gospel, about life in general, anything, anything you want an answer to, you go ahead and ask me and I'm going to give you an honest answer right here, right now. <laughs> and we're all just kind of staring at each other like, uh, and finally I asked, well, is God omnipotent? He's like, well, yeah. And is, is God omniscient? Well, of course he is. I'm like, well, okay, well, if God is all-powerful and he's all-knowing, would he not know what I'm going to do before I do it? And if he's all-powerful, he has the ability to stop me from doing it. 
Therefore, if he allows me to do it, would not then anything I do then becomes God's will, thus making free agency an illusion? <laughs> he just stared at us and then said, you know, why don't we just go ahead and play hangman? <laughs> I've never heard you tell that joke. That is so great. And uh, <laughs> I can only do it in Utah. Oh, and so, Rodney, I love that. <laughs> That's so funny. So I do that. Sh- I uh, do that at Johnny B's one. Yeah. One day. And, and, you remember John Schaefer? Schaefer, yeah. Schaefer was sure. running the club. Um, he comes up to me after the show and he says, well, you walked a couple people. And you like, could not walked, have walked people with you. that line. Come on. It, it, the story yeah. gets better. He goes, I, I was, he goes, I was taken back because I'm going, how in the world could you possibly be offended by anything that Rodney just did? You know, he's like, yeah, he's like the cleanest comic I have working at Johnny B's at this time. Yeah. The cleanest headliner. <laughs> sure. Like he didn't have to explain anything to me. I knew yeah. I grew up in Utah County. Yeah. I know Utah County. Of course. And uh, these are my people. And this so he goes <laughs> he comes out and he goes, So these two gals come walking out. He goes, as they, they come walking up, one of them is like just, you know, beside herself. I mean, she's shaking. And uh the friend comes up and says, Um, we would like our money back. And he goes, Well wh- wh- why? Well, we th- we think that the comedian is highly offensive. Well, wow. What, and, you know, John's like, what what could you possibly be offended yeah. by anything Rodney has to say? And he goes, well, well, was there a specific joke or something specifically that he said that offended you? And they cited that joke. The gal who was obviously visibly upset then said, I'm so... I'm so offended. My spirit is shaking. Oh, no. Oh, no. And he gave them their money back and asked them, please, never to come back. Yeah. You know and what? Comedy's not, Oh, that is... That's rough. But comedy yeah. clubs aren't for everyone. There are people who... No, they are. No, there should, are it's, people. It's know thyself. Just, yes. Know thyself. There are people... Maybe you shouldn't go to a comedy club. Yeah. As I, I start after that... In fact, the joke that inspired that particular moment was I said, look, if I, I do comedy because I love people, I enjoy making people feel good and laugh. And so I just want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, that if you are offended by anything I say or do here tonight, please understand it's because you're stupid. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have been here at all to begin with. It helps set the tone stupid. for the rest of the night. Awesome. Uh, so you do comedy, but you also, you've got a serious acting side to you. And if our our audience is primarily members of the church, yes. and if they're going through the LDS.org and the Mormon.org, <laughs> they're going to come across quite a serious video. Yes, they are. Of Brother Rodney Norman. Why yes. don't you tell us about step one? Uh, step one, honesty. David's, yeah. David's story. Yeah. How um, did that come about? Well, it was, they were having a hard time getting anyone to audition for it. So, so let's go back to what this is. The church has an amazing 12 step program. Yes. And the 12 step program the church runs is incredible. And there are a lot of resources. Unfortunately, there are a lot of members of the church who don't really know about it, but they've done for each of the 12 steps, they've adopted the, uh, the 12 steps program from, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, that type of And so they've taken their 12 steps and have put the gospel take on it. And for each of the steps, and step one is honesty. Honesty, yeah. So for each of the steps, they do a video featuring someone's real story, and it cuts from a dramatic interpretation of it to the actual person. Yes. Back and forth who tell their story. And step one is honesty, and it's about a man who has a pornography addiction that turns into... I mean, all kinds of lascivious acts. Yes. And so, so all of a sudden, who is that man but Rodney Norman? That is me. Doing the dramatic part, I might add. Yes. 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 Not telling your own story, but you're doing the dramatic part of it. How emotional. I mean, I watched it and it's a very intense piece. Yes. Like it's incredibly emotional when you 
your character shows up back at church and your wife is sitting there and you've betrayed your family. Was it pretty intense filming or is it just another acting job? Yeah, it, it, it was, I think, cause you know, I, I think we've all had that moment where we feel, you know, that we're, we don't feel quite worthy. Yeah. You know, we always just have the, you know, for whatever sure. reason. And, you know, as I'm, 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 contemplating you know when i'm doing when you're watching the thing and i'm walking into the chapel um i'm just it, it's just weighing on me i mean i just i really felt i was like i've 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 know this feeling you know i know yeah. this we all do this, every one the, of us the the, the 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 just the heaviness of guilt you know and and then you're walking into church or you know you're trying to put on your best yeah oh yeah everything's great hey everybody yeah. and uh in fact, it was interesting. Interesting part. One way, we we go in, and you know they're filming the sacrament being passed. Yeah. I looked at the director because he didn't tell me. I said, um, "Does he take the sacrament?" Hmm. And he goes, "Well, I don't know. We haven't talked about that." And I said, "I think he needs to take the sacrament wow. because that helps because he's being completely dishonest. He's trying to put up a front." Yeah. You know, here he, he's literally, he just came from an encounter in a hotel room. Yeah. That he's lied to his wife about having to go to work early. And now and he's showing up at church. And to now he's showing up at church. And yeah. And, you know, he's. Yeah. It's quite emotional. In fact, he's, he's being handed the sacrament by his son who's, who's about to get baptized by him. Yeah. You know, and there's that moment and it's just, oh, it was. It's, it's incredible. And yeah. you did a great job in it. And. And I highly recommend that our listeners check out the twelve step program in general. But yeah, just, just be search, familiar with it. I mean, if if, yeah. if anything, just understand that other people are going through these things. Yeah. Or you might know someone who's going through these things. You might know someone who needs it. Yeah. And it might be yeah. you. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might it could, could be. It could it be, could it could be. Could, I mean, it could be any one of us. And and you, so, you watch all those stories and you go, oh, you know, this could very easily have been me. Yeah. I could have fallen into They're this all trap. very emotional, but you did such a great job oh, in it. Oh, thank you. So you were clean shaven then, and you know we're friends on social media, and I will have pictures of you up on Instagram, <laughs> and you seem to have the constant debate going on. Do you look more like Kenny Rogers or Brigham Young? Has that debate been um, solved yet? The well, or lately, is it regional? <laughs> lately, it's regional because lately, <laughs> lately I'm getting a lot of Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, okay, I'm I see getting that. that one. You've mm-hmm. kind of got the Jeff Bridges uh, Tron. The new Tron thing going, yeah, you know, with the with the, with the, with the way your beard well, is and everything. A lot okay. of go with the uh, what was it? Uh, the dude from oh yeah, whatever that movie is. Yeah. So the way your hair curls in the back is how I picture Brigham Young. So I think you've got a very solid Brigham Young going. I do. I I am related through I think his sixteenth or seventeenth wife. It's a good Brigham Young look yeah. for sure. Well, this has I been. Did, I did have it. Sh- I did have the mustache shaved at one time, just for the fun of it. Just have the underbeard. I had the Brigham beard. Did you get pictures of it? I do. I do. I got them up on Facebook. That's awesome. A few years ago. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, and it's so fun to catch up. I'll tell you one thing, Rodney. I really admire is that you are a bit of a unicorn, in that you're still married to the same woman. Yeah. You're faithful. You're active. And you're a full-time working comic. You're living part-time in Connecticut, part-time in Utah. You've got a lot of ventures going, a lot of comedy, a lot of other stuff going on. There are not a lot of people who do that. Now, we've had, um, you know, we've had Josh on, we've had Steve on. There are a lot of active comics. Yeah. But those are young guys still. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and it's a lot easier when you're young. But oh, and they're single too, and they're single. Well, Josh well not for long. Engaged. Josh yeah. is engaged Josh now, is engaged. so uh, and Steve won't be long. Steve's going to get married at some point, I'm sure. Uh-huh. At some point, he has to. But, but my my point being, you're you are a bit of a unicorn, and I mean that in a good way. I think it's a great example to people that you can do any career. You know that these are not mutually exclusive from each other, and the fact that. You really wear your Mormonism on your sleeve, which I respect, because uh, as I do, you have a ton of non-Mormon friends, Yeah, and you've always been so balanced in it and centered in it, and I just appreciate it. And 
We're going to close the conversation with the same question that uh, we ask all of our guests, which is, what does being a member of the church mean to you? This is, this is going to come from a comedian and a philosopher, so the expectation is just incredible on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a great buildup. There you go. Um, you know, I, I think everyone always wants to say, that, well, there was just that moment that I just knew that it was true. Mm. I've never had that moment because I've never had the doubt. I just... It just seemed right from the beginning, and uh, it's grounded me. It's got you know I'm not a perfect person. I've certainly made my mistakes and have my faults, but you know, as I as I talked to a friend one time who says, "Well, what if you find out? You know, you get to the end and there really is no truth. That really we're just dead and it's over with." And I said, "Well, then I've lived a way of life that." I was really happy with. Yeah. I get to, I get, I get to. I, I spent my time being honest with everyone I knew, being true, true and genuine, which is mm. the biggest part of the gospel. I said, it's everything to me. I love it. I and I wish. I wish I was better at expressing. The joy that it brings to me personally. Mm. Every day, because I, I know, like I said, I, I associate with people who are just lost, and yeah. I want to share it with them, and I try to some degree, but you can tell that they, they, they kind of look down on you if you're religious, which is kind of funny to me, because it's <laughs> like, yeah. but it's everything, and I, I just truly, I truly love the gospel. I love, I love the Lord. I love... I just love everything about it, even even the bad things, <laughs> even BYU football. <laughs> I still enjoy everything about the church. And there it is. You know, I enjoy. <laughs> you know, I I enjoy the fact that as a church that we were coming to grips with some of the parts of our history that weren't the best, um, that we're we're just we're moving on. We just yeah, eh, mistakes were made. Yep. We're sorry. Yeah. Let's move on. It's awesome. So philosopher, stand-up comic, serious actor, comedic actor, <sighs> Jeff Bridges, Brigham Young, and somewhat Kenny Rogers look-alike. Yes. And true renaissance man. Thank you so much, Rodney, for coming on and sharing your Latter-day life with us. Thank you. special thanks to Rodney Norman. He is such an amazing guy. I had so much fun hanging out with him. He's one of those guys who comedians just love and respect him, and yet he's kind of got it all balanced, you know, and he's so smart, and his philosophy uh, interests are incredible, and yet he's such an active member of the church, and, and just he's kind of just got it all, and I just appreciate him, and I'm, I'm grateful for him as a friend, and very thankful he spent the time with us. Hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, this week in my Latter-day Life, I received a letter that I just felt like I should clarify. I'm not going to read the letter on air uh, as the writer shared some very personal things, but one of the things the writer, and I've already responded to the author of the letter personally, but one of the things the author put at the bottom of the letter is, I felt like I um, should just write this because you are always so happy and always so positive and always so bubbly and all these things. And uh, I... I shared this with the author, and I'll share this with you now. Um, this is a show, and I'm so grateful for this show. I love it. I look forward to all the people I get to meet with and, and to putting it out there and the feedback I get from you. It's just incredible, and what a blessing it is for me. But I also make myself be positive and happy. And, and I would say I'm generally a positive, happy person. But there are days that I have my doubts and there are days that are really hard. And there are days when I get out of bed on Sunday morning and I just have to force myself to get ready for church. And my kids have problems and I have problems. And I have days where I 
pray mightily wondering what's really going on with my life. And I think that uh, there's a persona that I portray here on the show, and uh, it's not far off from who I am. But if I somehow have given off the impression that I'm always positive and that I'm always happy and that the gospel always solves all my problems instantly and that I don't go through difficulty well, then I'm, I'm giving off something that's not true. The truth is life is really hard, and my life is really hard. And I go through trials like you do and doubts like you do and difficult times like you do. One of the reasons I love the podcast is it buoys me up to hear the struggles and trials that other people have gone through and that through the atonement, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are overcoming them. It's one of the things I absolutely love. But I want to make it clear, um, nobody gets through easily. And the same doubts that I have and the same struggles that I have or the same fears that I have, I know you also have. They may be slightly different, but we all have them, including the general authorities, including that perfect family in your ward, including the bishop, including everyone you meet. We all have struggles. We all have our difficult times. And one of the things I think that maybe hurts us is that we put on such a good face and don't open ourselves up and it makes other people feel like they're the only ones with those struggles. And I'm grateful for all the guests who come on and bear their souls about the, the difficult times that they have. And I'm grateful for this person who wrote to me, and I just want to reassure, wow, am I human and flawed, and I, I have all the same struggles that anyone else does. But thanks to the, the um, atonement of Jesus Christ, I get through them. And Thank you to you for your examples and your support. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day life. Again, I appreciate all of you tuning in. We uh, continue to grow. If you get the thought to share this with someone you know, especially if you share it on Facebook or you, you just get someone to start listening, we really appreciate it. The show is growing so fast. Uh, the month of June had been a record month. For July, we, we, we check the number of times the show is listened to. And in July, this podcast was listened to 1,800 times more than the previous month, which had been a record. The growth is phenomenal, and it's thanks to all of you for sharing it. So we really appreciate it. We can be found on social media. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook and on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And of course, we can be found wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to reach out to me, please, please drop me an email. I love hearing from you. My email address is sean at latterdaylives.com. It's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. Or I can be reached on Facebook, Twitter, or on Instagram. So until next week, when we've got another show lined up for you, please remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>